0: Welcome to Deuteronomy study number 15. I'm going to cover all 23 verses, Lord willing, and the church don't rise after we send out this hillbilly holla across the pond to where my people hail from, the UK, Brother Martin Ooten. Brother Martin, here's your hillbilly holla. And I hope I pronounced that name correctly in the United States. That's how people I know with that name pronounce it. But just out of curiosity, I did a little research and found about four different <laughs> uh, pronunciations. Uh, Auten, outon, and some other uh, sound to it. But uh, we call the folks who spell your name here in America, Ooten. So, Brother Martin, I hope that's right. There's your hibbley holla. And uh, with that, let's get into this study with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this book and for the Holy Spirit teaching us. And we thank you for those listening all around the world and uh, typically averaging between 50 and 60 foreign countries, all 50 states, U.S. territories. And Lord, most of those people who do contact us tell us they don't have a good local church to attend. And we're thankful to be able to stand in the gap and minister to these people. And we thank you for uh, those who do contact us. And we look forward to meeting those who we don't know or hear from. We'll meet them one day in heaven. And uh, for all this, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say a word before we get into this study. We try to keep these evergreen. We don't date them, but I just want to uh, give a word about my dad who passed away uh, this well, a couple of days ago. As of the time of this recording, it'll be uh, uploaded on a Saturday originally, and uh, he had, he passed away on a Tuesday afternoon. I was with him a um, couple of days right up to the day before he passed. Uh, my dad was a saved man, and he raised us to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Raised us in a Christian home with a Bible-believing church that we went to uh, from the time I was eight years old until I moved away was Wheelersburg Baptist Church and um, before that it was a little faith Baptist Church that we went to And um, I have uh, my dad's old Bible I have my mom's old Bible his was brown and hers was red <laughs> you'll see it uh, my, behind my head a lot of times when we're doing the devotionals and uh, they're marked up well used James Bibles and I'm just thankful for uh, my dad and what he meant to me look forward to seeing him again at any moment so with that uh, we get into this chapter in Deuteronomy Moses lays down the law for the seventh year Sabbath law of release with verse 1 at the end of every seven years thou shalt make a release uh, every seventh year there was a national pardon day basically and um, as of the time of this recording in 2024 um, actually yesterday uh, the day before this recording was leap day uh, february 29th three years of 28 days in february and then on the fourth year an extra day is added But that's really all there is to it. (laughs) There'll be some sales going on. Uh, I saw there was a few places giving you 29% off. Um, But uh, that's about all there is to that. But this was a big deal. This was a seven-year sabbatical year. And it was a huge deal, as we'll see as we continue. Verse 2 says, uh, And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth ought, there's that ought again unto his neighbor shall release it he shall not exact it of his neighbor or of his brother because it is called the Lord's release so um, in addition to uh, not planting crops or harvesting on the seventh year debts were forgiven every seventh year I mean that that just this is wonderful to think about God's system um, we don't have anything like that here. Uh, if you file bankruptcy, then I believe it's every seven years or on the seventh year of that bankruptcy it kind of gets you released from it or something like that. but that's nothing compared to what we're talking about here. Um, and today, there's this movement to forgive tuition loans, and uh, I've heard people reference this. Old Testament law in connection to that, but it's not the same thing. Uh, first of all, uh, that's just a blanket payment for all those with loans, and it's it's just a, a political stunt to buy votes. And today, I would support it if everyone who paid off their loans in the past were also reimbursed. I mean, you just think about it. All these people who have paid, some up to... Between, you know, 20, 30, 40,000. I've known people pay $150,000 of loans off. And then suddenly watching this attempt to just clean the slate for people, uh, many of whom took some of the dumbest degrees you could get uh, f- feminist studies and underwater basket weaving and who knows what. Um, so, uh, back to reality, though. In this system that we're talking about under Mosaic law. You just think about the relief that this would be to many people. And uh, before getting into details. let us uh, I just want to mention that. Oh by the way. I, before we moved on. Where it says every creditor that lendeth ought. <laughs> Martin's last name I said was Ooten. If we went with this pronunciation it would be Ooten. <laughs> and I'm sure there's somebody out there that pronounces it that way. But I didn't... Uh, Uh, do that on purpose, make that connection when I uh, selected Martin for the hillbilly holler but uh, isn't that quite a coincidence? So we move on noting the what we could call Israel first policies enforced here. Uh, Look at verses 3-5 through Of a foreigner thou mayest exact it again. (laughs) But that which is thine with thy brother thine hand shall release. Uh, Verse 5 Save when there shall be no poor among you. Think of that. He's predicting that there could be a time where there's no poor among you. That's going to happen during the millennium. Continue, For the Lord shall greatly bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it. Verse 5, Only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all these commandments which I command thee this day. So, foreigners... People who are here on student visas, or work visas, or visiting visas, or whatever, undocumented, as they call the illegal aliens, um, they're not included in this in Israel. It's an Israel-first policy. (laughs) Um, But Israel's citizens were released, and the result, if Israel would have, as verse 5 says, carefully hearkened unto the voice of the Lord and obeyed His law, then there would have been such prosperity that there would be no poor and no need for this law to be enforced. And as I said, that's going to happen. As we see in verse 6, For the Lord thy God blesseth thee as he promised thee, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow and thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. Again, if they were following God's law, that's the promise. Um, But uh, that's the sign of a healthy nation, a nation who is lending and not borrowing. And if you know anything about the $35 trillion debt here in America, you know that we are not a healthy nation. We could talk about this for an hour easily, but I just want to say this because most people have no idea um, our founding fathers started this where we're at today, it wasn't all of them? Uh, people like Thomas Jefferson um, and the uh, Republicans of that era opposed debt. Um, but Alexander Hamilton and the Federalists uh, set our nation on the opposite course of this biblical principle. He had the first bank, of, a, of the United States. so It was chartered for 20 years and was allowed to expire because of people like Thomas Jefferson who were opposed to it. They, but they still, the uh, Federalists were able to set up a second Bank of the United States. That was killed later by President Andrew Jackson. But then finally after all the battling over a uh, Bank of the United States, they came up with this scheme of the Federal Reserve uh, passed Uh, Just a a couple of days before Christmas when no one was paying attention. And uh, the Federal Reserve is now strangling the American people and our economy with the inflation and so forth. But a nation built on debt as America is and as Israel would eventually become from the point of our text we're reading. It's a nation in its death throes. And Israel lost everything and went into captivity America is going to lose everything and go into the beast system become a part of the world government headed up by the Antichrist uh, at least if not sooner uh, after the time of the rapture in the meantime the Lord wants his people to have a heart of compassion for the poor and uh, even though he has a Israel first policy that didn't mean you mistreated the foreigner uh, verse uh, let's see, verse seven. If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren, with any uh, within any of thy gates in thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother. Uh, verse eight. But thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need, in that which he wanteth. And uh, the Lord even warns against those who would have hard hearts against the poor. Verse 9, Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him naught. And he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. It just makes sense that people, as they saw the seventh year approaching, might get a little tight and be less charitable because they know that's all going to be forgiven within a year or two or maybe even months. And the Lord says, don't do that. Why? Because, yeah, on paper it may look like you're going to lose. But God promises, as we'll see, He's going to bless you if you do what He says. That's what's so sad about Christians who just have so much trouble giving uh, some of their money to a legitimate Bible-believing church. Um, if you attend a good Bible believing church wherever in the world and you are not giving uh, a minimum of a tenth then I'm just telling you you're going to regret it when you stand before the Lord you can play your games and and pretend that you're not doing anything wrong but you know God has promised that if you give he'll give back to you and press down and overflowing and uh, you know you uh, all I can say is I've watched this for thirty years, and I've seen people who give, some people who look like they're dirt poor, you'd think they shouldn't be giving. and yet when they do, God blesses them. And uh, just in the last few years, I've seen here at BBF people who don't have a lot of money, but they faithfully are giving to the Lord and he comes, he, you know, uh, somebody just got a new van. Uh, somebody uh, else got a new uh, washer and dryer. And other people uh, have gotten bills paid out of the blue, all kinds of things. And, you know, they come to me like they think, right. I tell them, I don't know anything about it. And I didn't. The Lord took care of it. And so, uh, you're robbing yourself of a blessing if you're a tightwad. And uh, God doesn't like it whenever you you should be uh, helping with, like, missionaries and other charity we have a inner city mission that we help out with the money that's given you're not helping out with those things shame on you, God is very disappointed with his people when they are tightwads like that, but I'll leave it at that and move on, we've said enough when it comes up, we've talked about it but we've said enough over the years in verse 10 um, the Lord leaves no doubt about how the poor were to be treated, um, thou shalt surely give him And thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works. And in all that thou puttest under thine hand. We're told to be cheerful givers and the Lord promises to bless you. Don't rob yourself. Uh, You're not just robbing the poor guy. God will find a way to take care of him. You're robbing yourself and your own family. Uh, Verse 11, For the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother, to thy poor, and to thy needy in thy land. So I'll say no more about that. And now we focus on a particular subset of the poor, those Hebrews who would be sent to, in recent centuries we would have called uh, debtor's prison, sort of debtor's servanthood in this case. Verse 12, and if thy brother and hebrew man or an hebrew woman be sold unto thee and serve thee six years then in the seventh year thou shalt let him go free from thee so you have debts forgiven in the seventh year and people in debtors prison so to speak uh bond servants because of debts now um, <laughs> the idea uh, of a hebrew man or hebrew woman being sold unto thee you know that that just doesn't sound right and it shouldn't Uh, but at the same time don't think badly about this system that allowed men and women who owed large debts they couldn't pay to basically be temporarily sold it's more like a lease because every seventh year they were freed from it but um, most Americans are owned by the banks most amer almost all americans i don't know if, really i don't know personally any who aren't indentured servants and practically owned by the banks you say i i, I own my house not if you haven't paid it totally off and even if you have uh, property taxes stop paying those property taxes and the government will take your house so the person who can possess it owns it so we're just pretending to own our homes uh, our cars we can't drive them unless we pay that tax every so often on licenses and license tags and such in some states i think they tax the car that you own every year and if you don't pay that tax you lose your car or lose your license so don't get too sanctimonious about how much better we are today because we don't do what we're reading about here because today it's all a big ruse Uh, and i could go on and on about all that, but unlike American slavery, which was built on man-stealing, which is condemned with a death penalty in the Bible, uh, people went down into Africa and stole people by the thousands, ripped them from their families, took them to the other side of the ocean and sold them. That isn't anything like this thing going on that we're talking about here in Deuteronomy 15. and. Uh, now, there were a percentage of those slaves who were treated well once they got here, um, and that's kind of comparable to what we're going to read here in a moment. But servanthood in Israel was never referred to as slavery in your Bible because it's not the same, and that's why you don't use the same word to describe what we're reading about in Deuteronomy 15. Things that are different are not the same. So, I've got to pick up the pace here a little bit. Verse 13 and 14 says, And when thou sendest him out free from thee, Thou shalt not let him go away empty. Verse 14, Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock and out of thy floor and out of thy winepress of that wherewith the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, thou shalt give unto him. So you set this guy free and you think you're going to be upset, you're losing your uh, servant. You're supposed to set them free with joy. You send them away with a severance package of sorts bonuses and payments verse 15 and thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt and the Lord thy God redeemed thee therefore I command thee this thing today you remember back when Israel uh, left Egypt and it said borrow of your neighbors but it was permanent borrowing they took all this stuff the Egyptians were throwing things at them take it take it get out of here we don't want you around anymore because we're all going to (laughs) die and uh, so that's picturing the same thing. You see that connection. We'll come back to that in a second. There's this connection with, with Egypt uh, and all this that we're seeing. But uh, you're not to forget, first of all, that your uh, you know, ancestral identification with servanthood, but really was slavery in Egypt. I mean, it was much worse in Egypt, especially there toward the end. And now we see that in many cases the servant was treated so well and given such blessings and privileges that he didn't want to go free. He didn't even desire freedom. Look at verses 16 and 17. And it shall be, if he say unto thee, I will not go away from thee, because he loveth thee in thine house, because he is well with thee. Verse 17. Then thou shalt take an all, A-U-L, and thrust it through his ear unto the door, and he shall be thy servant forever. And also unto thy maidservant thou shalt do the same, man or a woman doesn't matter if they want to stay. You pierce their ear. It sounds pretty uh, r- rough, you know, an awl, but it would be you know like a nail and then have a sharp point and They just tap it in there. It's not much different from pierced ears. Uh, when I was a unsaved goofy kid, um, I allowed a girl to pierce my ear. Somehow I ended up with three holes and then. Another night had too much to drink and I actually pushed an earring through the cartilage at the top of my ear. So every time I see that, I think of number one, how stupid I was as a kid. But number two, I think of this passage because the pain level had to be very similar. In verse 18, It shall not seem hard unto thee when thou sendest him away free from thee. For he hath been worth a double hired servant to thee in serving thee six years. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all that thou doest. Don't ever forget... Where you came from as an Israelite once being slaves in Egypt. Don't ever forget you don't deserve that servant. You're only getting him because of some foolishness on his part or some bad uh, fortune on his part. So the loss was made up uh, by the joy if a man was right with God, had his heart right with God, that he would feel. And by the blessings of obedience that the Lord promises. And if the servant wanted to, he could become a permanent part of the family basically. And now we close out the chapter with the law of dedication of the firstborn. Uh, Look at verse um, 19. All the firstling males that come of thy herd and of thy flock, thou shalt sanctify unto the Lord thy God. Thou shalt do no work with the firstling of thy bullock, nor shear the firstling of thy sheep. Now you may ask, as I did when first reading this, why? Uh, Why does God have this firstborn thing? What's that based on? I mean, it just seems kind of out of the blue, but it's not. The Lord knew we'd ask, and He gives the, que- the answer to the question but we already saw in our Exodus studies. Uh, comparing Scripture with Scripture when these same uh, regulations were given to the Jews, the Hebrews, coming out of uh, Israel. Exodus 13, verses 14 and 15. And when it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this? that thou shalt say unto him, By strength of hand the Lord brought us out from Egypt, from the house of bondage. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males. But all the firstborn of my children I redeem." Um, So there's a spiritual connection here that we can't discuss in detail, but you should meditate and think upon it. But in short, when the firstborn is sanctified and given to the Lord, it'll be a reminder of God's great salvation of the Hebrews who were enslaved in Egypt. And it also speaks of God uh, giving His only begotten Son who became the firstborn from among the dead. There's all that connection to be hashed out in our minds and in our discussions as we have many times uh, discussed but it's also just as the Lord's Supper reminds us of the cross of Jesus so that's a picture here that's the main thing we need to remember as we move on verse 20 thou shalt eat it before the Lord thy God year by year in the place which the Lord shall choose thou and thy household so God uh, is emphasizing the requirement that you come to him at his anointed place Um, In the Mosaic dispensation, there was no covering for sin except the blood shed on the Temple Mount, picturing the blood of Christ. Now, in this dispensation, that became the cross of Christ, where the blood of Jesus was shed just outside of the camp in view of the Temple Mount on the Mount Golgotha, also known as Calvary. And Jesus was sinless. So the sacrifice picturing Him is described here in verse 21. And if there be any blemish therein, as if it be lame or blind or have any ill blemish, thou shalt not sacrifice it unto the Lord thy God. Because to picture Jesus, it had to be sinless or blemish, without blemish, uh, without spot. Uh, and then that pictures the sinlessness of Jesus Christ. And this sacrifice received is to be received personally personally. Um, it's a sacrifice without blemish and received personally. You take it with you and eat it in your own home or within thy gates. That's what verse 22 says. Thou shalt eat it within thy gates. The unclean and the clean person shall eat it alike as the roebuck and as the heart. And with that said, verse 23 is very important. Only thou shalt not eat the blood thereof. Thou shalt pour it upon the ground as water. And the blood is to be sanctified it wasn't to be eaten with the sacrifice Um, the blood is sacred Uh, that's why Satanists in order to blaspheme and mock God they drink blood or pretend to drink blood and that sort of thing Um, and no matter what teachers heretical teachers like John MacArthur claim if the perfect sacrifice Jesus had not shed his blood in his death, his blood would not have atoned for sin. And it's just sickening to hear people like him downplay the need and necessity for the uh, shedding of blood in the death of Christ whenever it was imperative. The blood, the life is in the blood, and the perfect blood of God in Jesus shed for our sins is the only reason we have eternal salvation.